Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. As you heard me mention there, we have that missions team along with our senior pastor and his wife and his daughter uh, down in Haiti right now. And for everything that I understand, I think Pastor Justin's even getting to give the first message, the first word in that church as it gets planted today. So it's exciting times at New Song Church, being able to make a difference in the globe. Who would have ever thought that a little church planted at the Knights of Columbus having 11, 12, 14 people show up the very first time would now be what God has made it into today and making an impact not only in Plymouth, but around the globe. I think that's amazing how God works and how he's able to do that. And what an honor and a privilege it is to be able to be a part of it in this day and age. So Pastor Justin, of course, gives me the wonderful opportunity. He talks about dating last week, and then I get to take marriage. So I've got 30 minutes to get up here and try to strengthen some marriages in this church. And I tell you what, here's the thing. I am so grateful for the great leaders and everything that I've been able to have in my life that I've been able to glean things off of and see and and be able to learn from because here's the thing. I'm not able to necessarily come to you with 40 years of marriage right now. I'm I'm not even pretending to do that. Mallory and I are going to be married nine years come September and I'm excited about that. Come on. (laughs) Clap for her, not me. But here's the thing, man. There are things that I've been able to glean off of other great leaders that I'm going to be able to give to you today. And I'm telling you, there are some things that if you will apply them, it will change your relationships. It really will. It will absolutely transform your relationships. So one of the main things, I mean, I don't think you can talk about relationships. You can't talk about marriage without discussing communication. So that was what I was fake. I said, man, if I have 30 minutes to try to get this across, I need to really hit on communication and how we can better communicate. And it's something interesting that, you know, humans have been struggling to properly communicate with the opposite sex since the beginning of time. I mean, we see it in the story of Adam and Eve where, where it's like, Lord, she gave me the fruit. Right, They're already playing the blame game, and there's already kind of a a disagreement that's taking place. So it started from the beginning of time, and something that's interesting to notice is the fact that it also starts at a very young age. And no better way to illustrate that than some awesome letters I came across of like second grade breakup letters. I mean, come on, we can't learn more from a second grade romance than in a breakup letter right here. I want to share them with you. This first one comes from Paige, and it's wrote to Brock. It says, Brock, why do, we not, why do you not talk to me? We have relationship problems. I don't want to get a divorce, but we might have to. I am so sorry, Paige. There's obviously some communication issues going on with Brock here. I love this next one too. 
It's from Rachel. It says, Sean, I'm breaking up with you. You have not talked to me since the day you asked me out. That was three months ago. This brother's got some communication issues. You need to get it together or you will never get married. And that would be sad. You should get married, just not to me. Come on. Rachel spitting the truth, but proving that communication problems, they start good and early. And then I want to give you men some gold here. I said, man, I can't have an opportunity up on the stage without giving the men of new songs some gold. So I'm going to help you out through these memes here. This one says, if a woman says, do what you want, don't do what you want. Stand still. Don't blink. Do not answer. Don't even breathe. Just play dead. But whatever you do, don't do what you want. The next one is ways to tell your wife is mad. One, she's silent. Two, she's yelling. Three, she acts the same. Four, she acts completely different. Five would be she murdered you. I'm telling you, communication problems. And that brings us right to our first point, which is healthy communication is key to a healthy marriage. You know, I know you hear it all the time, you know, practice makes perfect. I had a great coach that actually, he debunked that. He said, no, that's actually a lie. Perfect practice makes perfect. And so you think about, so healthy communication. See, the key to any relationship is going to be healthy communication. And it's definitely the key in marriage. And you see these letters that we read, they're funny because it's kids. But can I be completely honest with you? If Brock and Paige and Sean and Rachel are not taught how to communicate healthy, it won't get much better when they're adults. They'll just be older, but they'll have the same issues and the same problems. And we know that we all have communication issues. That's not a secret. I mean, we struggle to communicate with our spouses. I struggle to communicate not only with Mallory, but with my own kids. Are there any parents in the room this morning? If you're a parent, would you shoot your hand up proudly? Come on. Man, I got a lot of people suffering the good fight for Jesus with me here in this. I love it. And I'm going to be completely transparent with you because, frankly, I don't know how to be anything else. So have any of you ever experienced a time when your kids made you feel really dumb? I mean, dumb to the fact that you find yourself going, you know what? I am not as smart as I thought I was, like at all. And I mean, my kids have shown me that at any moment in my life, I am just three questions away from being reduced to the stupidest person on the planet. It's just a fact. And my three-year-old Riley, she does it so masterfully, she can do it with one simple question. Do you know what that is? Why? Let me give you an actual run-through of something that has happened. Riley May, sweetheart, it's time to go to bed. Why? Well, because it's nighttime, and nighttime's when we go to bed. Why? Well, because it's dark outside. Why? 
Well, because the, the orbit of the earth and, and the moon and the sun and gravity, I don't know, just because daddy said so. Just go to bed. Stop asking questions. Or maybe when your five-year-old son is walking with you through the Walmart parking lot and says, Daddy, why do some of these cars and trucks have metal sticks on them? Oh, son, those aren't metal sticks. Those are antennas. Oh, what are antennas? How do they work? That's right, son, they're metal sticks. Good job. <laughs> Smart kid. Smart kid. They will reduce you. I'm telling you, it's so difficult sometimes to communicate even to your kids, let alone your spouse. But I find it interesting at the fact of how young the communication differences really start. And did you know that pediatric scientists actually placed microphones on little kids ages two to four, boys and girls, to document how they communicated. And they had some interesting findings. 100% of little girls, ages two to four, their communication was through conversation. 100%. Whether it was a real person or an imaginary friend, it was through communication. And then there were the boys. Lord help us. 60%, I was proud of that number, 60% of little boys, two to four, their communication was in conversation with a real person. That's awesome. The other 40%, unintelligible noise. <laughs> I actually was able, through my son, to gather some video evidence that proves this to be true. Let's go ahead and watch it up on the screens. That's, there it is, 40% of the communication going on, doing what he loves to do, playing with his Justice League action figures, making just unintelligible noises. And I find it so crazy, the difference in the way that males and females communicate, and from the time that we're toddlers. And, and I don't think it's a secret that we all struggle with communication, but what you may not know is point number two, and that is Communication issues are many times a result of identity issues. That we don't know who we are, so we have a hard time communicating with other people. Another way that that could be said is, I don't know who I am, so I blame any misunderstanding I have on you rather than looking back at me. Let me give you a possible life scenario. Husband and wife. Married, say, some 20 years, sitting on the couch at home. She knows there's a problem. Neither of them have been able to diagnose the problem. They have some pretty serious marital issues, and he doesn't understand that he also has a very serious underlying identity issue. So many times, unknowingly, he filters everything that's said, everything, through a filter of past hurt and failures. 
So here they are on the couch watching some Netflix, and she says to him, ooh, brr, I'm cold. It's freezing. To which he responds, how could you be freezing? It's 70 degrees in this house. (laughs) Then she replies, why are you so angry? What's the matter with you? To which he fires back with, there's nothing wrong with me. You're the one that's crazy. Married people, look straight ahead. I want you to get home safely today. Because I see there's some of you that you are looking, you're like, oh, that may or may not have happened this week. That might have happened this morning on the way to church. And here lies the problem in that scenario. Somewhere in that man's life, he lost sight of his true identity. And now I don't know if it happened somewhere as a child. Maybe his parents would yell at him saying things like, why can't you be more like your brother? Or boy, I sure wish that you were more like your sister. Which by the way, parents in here, can I just address you real quick? Stop labeling your children. Stop saying things. I hate it when I hear things like, oh, that one, that's the good one. That's the good one right there. That one right there is just like Jesus. Which then leaves the rest of them going, well, then what's that make me? The one that's just like Satan? Because here's the thing, parents, your kids will live up to the identity that you give them. So be careful the words that you speak over them. And be careful what you're labeling them with. Because I see so many men and women that are out there that have problems. And many of it because they lost their true identity as a child or years and years ago. And now they find themselves running everything through their, everything in life through a filter of personal attack. And new song, it is a weapon that the enemy has formed that is destroying marriages across the nation. And it has to stop. And it can stop with you. It can stop today. So my little scenario with the couple watching Netflix, can I tell you what the husband perceived to hear? You see, when his wife said, Burr, I'm freezing, what he perceived to hear was, I'm freezing, you're not providing for me. I'm freezing and it's your fault. Now, is that completely insane, new song? Absolutely. Yes, it is. But it's terribly common. And I know this to be true because can I be transparent with you? Because I've been guilty of it. And I wish I could tell you, new song, I was guilty of it, but man, it was a long time ago. And man, I've, I mean, that sanctification process has got me just right. No, I've been guilty of it probably within the last several months. There'll be times, and if any of you know my wife, she's a wonderful woman. She's tremendous and, and way more than I deserve. And she always has my best interest at hand. And sometimes there'll be a time, maybe after a youth night or something like that, I'll just ask my wife, I'll say, sweetheart, how do you think that went? Do you think that message was good? Do you think it got a point across that I wanted it to get across? 
And those that know my wife know that she's not going to hold back. She's going to be honest. She's going to be bold. And there's been times where she's said, uh, to be honest with you, it sounded a little bit more like a speech than it did a spirit-filled message. And there were times of the service that kind of fell flat and maybe the game was a little boring or it just didn't work out the way it was supposed to. And now if I was looking through a super healthy lens, I would say, praise the Lord. My wife cares about me enough that she's willing to be bold with me and tell me how I can get better. But can I tell you, I still struggle with a broken filter because I've been guilty of going, oh yeah, why don't you preach to him next week? Why don't you plan out the game? I'm telling you, I know it to be true because I've been guilty of it. And too often we find ourselves looking at our spouse as if all our problems are their fault. And we don't realize that there are three fingers pointing right back at us. I have issues, new song. You have issues. Why don't you tap your neighbor on the shoulder right now and say, I have issues. Some of you were like, my issue is I'm not tapping nobody on the shoulder and telling them nothing. And one of the biggest, one of the biggest issues that we face is that many of us find ourselves stuck in what I'm going to call level one living. I think we could also call it caveman or cavewoman living, right? It's that stimulus response. Something happens, I respond. Something is said, I respond. I'm freezing, you're crazy. And can I tell you, New Song, this is a really, really bad way to live life. It's a terrible way to be in a relationship. And because we're already constantly battling our sinful nature and we live in a fallen world, we lack something called impulse control. And if you wanted a great example of impulse control, you could go into the nursery right now and you'll see it in action. At some point, I'm sure, in the purple room, there was a toddler, hopefully not one of my kids, that was playing with a toy and another toddler came up, took the toy away from them and ran off. And then, here we are, level one living, they see that and what happens? Stimulus? The toy gets taken. Response, I'm going to go attack you and scream and cry. <laughs> and here's the problem, that many of us never move past level one living. And we find ourselves having children, be, being in a marriage, stuck in level one living. Stuck in that stimulus response, stimulus response. Because you have to realize impulse control does not come natural. It's something that we have to learn and then choose to use it. And at some point as adults, we basically have to learn a new way of living. And lucky for us, we've been given the Bible. Lucky for us, King Solomon laid out the basics for this new way of living pretty well in Proverbs. I'm going to read three of them to you real quick, and I hope you brought some steel toe boots. Proverbs 19.11 says this, sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. 
Proverbs 21, 23. Husbands, put on a vest, protect your ribs. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. Come on, somebody. Can I get a better amen? amen. If, I, if I had the handheld mic, that'd be the time to drop it. Proverbs 18, 13 says, to answer before listening is foolish and shameful. I mean, that's the vast majority of marriage problems right there in those three Proverbs. It's that argument that you have with your spouse where it's the, I'm just trying to get my point across. So while we're talking, I'm not even listening. I'm just developing what I'm going to say when I interrupt you next. And the Bible is telling us that that way of living is both foolish and shameful. And married people, I'm telling you, if you will just work on those three Proverbs and make them a reality in your life, it will turn your relationship around. It will absolutely turn your relationship around. And once we realize that we have the ability to move from that level one living to what I'm going to call level two living, keeping it simple, right? Cookies on the bottom shelf this morning. Level two living is where we simply place a little pause button in between the stimulus and the response. When we realize that in between I'm freezing and you're crazy, that I actually get a choice in how I respond. I don't have to respond based on the stimulus, but instead, now operating at level two, I respond based on who I am in Christ. I'm no longer responding based on what happened to me in the past, but now I'm responding based on who God says I am in the now. That's powerful. And it completely changes your responses. When you know who you are in Christ, something amazing happens. At that point, no one, and you realize this, that no one can make you mad. I hate hearing that. I hear it all the time. Oh, but you don't know what it's like to live with him. You don't know what it's like to live with her. They make me so mad. But when you're living at level two, you realize no one can make you mad. Now, does that mean that you're not going to struggle from time to time with anger? No. Does that mean that you're not going to sometimes have to really, really hold yourself back from getting upset? No. But at that point, you realize that nobody can make you mad, that you have a choice. You get to choose. Tell your neighbor, I get to choose. Half of you said, I choose not to say nothing. <laughs> but listen, there will be disagreements in marriage. It happens. When I hear people say, oh, we never fight. I go, do you even live in the same house? Because one of two things is going on here. Either you have bagged a unicorn and it needs to be taken in for study and analysis or you're just not being honest. Because disagreements are going to happen in marriage. You cannot avoid it. So since you can't avoid it, I wanted to be able to give you and equip you with kind of three tools or three choices that you should make in your marriage to ensure that you're always fighting fair. And I should have put them in your notes, but I didn't, so you can write them down. Number one, 
We need to choose to not be historical. When you get into it with your spouse, when you're having a disagreement, you have to choose not to drag up the past. You have to realize that the past is in the past and what you're trying to do is solve the problem at hand and move into your future. But you can't do that if you keep dredging up the past. And yet that's, that's our knee-jerk reaction. Oh, you want me to do that? And you didn't do this, 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 and this. And don't even get me on that thing you did five years ago. Many of you are probably familiar with 1 Corinthians chapter 13, known as the love chapter. Many of you probably have either been at a wedding and heard it recited, or maybe it was recited at your wedding. But did you really listen to it? Are you living by it? Because obviously it's trying to show us like what the perfect love is. And, and I love what it says in uh, verse five, where it says, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. No record of wrongs. Listen, there ain't none of you that have a doctorate in history from Harvard. So let's stop trying to be historians. And let's start to address the issue at hand, work on it together, battle it out however you need to, and move forward. And I'm telling you, things will change. The second thing, choose to attack the real enemy. Hint, it's not your spouse. I love that Paul gives us a warning in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, when he says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, not your wife, not your husband, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. You're not battling your spouse. There is a very real enemy there's a very real devil that's out there and would love nothing more than to destroy your marriage. The devil can't stand marriage. He can't stand what it stands for. He can't stand it. And he will stop at nothing to do whatever he can to destroy it. So let's not help him. Let's make sure that we're attacking the correct enemy and we're not attacking our spouse and our loved ones. And the third one, you have to choose to remove divorce from your vocabulary. You just got to take it off the table. It's one of the greatest bits of premarital counseling that Mallory and I ever got from our pastor, Pastor David down in Fort Myers, when he said, first things first, you have to take divorce off the table. I guess it, you don't even use the word. It's not an option. You, and then at that point, something powerful happens. Because when you know there is no escape route, then you know, hey, we're in it for the long haul. We're just going to have to work on this thing, and we're going to have to get it right at all costs, and then we'll move forward. But it's so important to just be able that I'm telling you, I'm, I'm speaking to somebody in this room that maybe you're brand new in a, in a relationship, maybe you're engaged, something like maybe you're freshly married. I'm telling you, just take it off the table. Don't even use the word. Because that's another thing people like to go to when they're having a disagreement, when it's getting a little heated. Oh yeah, I'll just leave you. 
I'll just divorce you. I've told Mallory before, if you leave me, I'm going with you. Sorry. That's just the way it's going to work. But we got to take divorce off the table. And this brings me to my final point and possibly one of the best things that you could glean from this message. And that is, my spouse does not complete me. Can I let you in on a little secret? Hollywood lies. I know, shocker, right? They just want to sell tickets. They don't care if your marriage reflects Christ. Jerry Maguire was deceived. Dorothy Boyd was never going to complete him. The thing that I have discovered over nine years of marriage is the fact that only Jesus Christ can complete me. And I love in Colossians chapter two, when really he's talking about just building a foundation on Christ. And it says, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then, then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught. That's what I'm trying to do this morning is teach you truth. That's what Pastor Justin tries to do every single week is teach you truth. But if your foundation isn't Christ, it just falls on arid soil. It gets nowhere. You find yourself walking out of the building having the same garbage marriage you walked in with because you're not placing the foundation as Christ. Can I give you a great, great tip? Stop looking to your spouse for something only Christ can give you. Whether you're dating, engaged, married, if Jesus isn't your foundation, I promise you it will crumble. But if you will make Jesus the foundation of your relationship, it will change everything. It will never be the same. And I wanted to close with this illustration. Because I like to learn from illustrations. It helps get the point across for me. And the thing that I need each and every one of you to know and to realize is the fact that Mallory and I, over these nine years, we've had rough patches. We don't do things perfect. We don't have the perfect relationship. I would chuckle if we posted a picture together and the teenagers were like, hashtag goals. If you only knew what we went through. And I'm telling you, there were some rough patches, especially in the beginning. How many know those first couple years of marriage can be difficult? But we discovered something along the way. And that was the fact that not only are we a vessel, we all know that, but we discovered that at that moment we were a vessel out of position. Instead of being vertical and relying on Christ to fill us, we had found ourselves turned sideways, horizontal, expecting one another to fill us. And something interesting happens when you live life like that. You see, your spouse will, they'll fill you up a little bit. You know, they'll give you some, oh, oh, baby, you're looking good. That's a nice looking, oh, it helps when the picture's open. Oh, you're looking good. I like that dress on you. 
oh my, and it feels good, but then you walk out into life. You see that that happens, and next thing you know, you're empty again. And then maybe they fill you up again. You go on a nice date night, and everything goes well, and you're like, oh my goodness, he's my prince charming. So glad I found him, so glad I found her. But then you walk out into life, and next thing you know, you find yourself empty again. You know, it was in that moment that we realized that we were out of position and and I was expecting Mallory to be able to fill me with joy and love and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and all those things. But I was expecting her to do something that only Christ could do. And I found out I could pour my entire life into Mallory But if we were positioned like this, it was not going to fill her. It would just keep spilling out. And here's the thing, New Song. I really believe there's some, some couples in here. There's some people in here that you've become bottomless pits. You're sucking every bit of energy out of your spouse, demanding that they give you something that only Christ could give you and it's draining you and it's draining your marriage and you feel like you're ready to give up I'm here to tell you don't some of you have even probably developed a disdain for your spouse because they have let you down so bad based on an expectation that they could do something that only Christ could do but I've learned something that if I'll begin to live a life from a place that I realize that my spouse doesn't complete me and I can't complete my spouse and I get things turned around, all of a sudden I become vertical. I become complete and I come to my spouse complete. Well now all of a sudden I get to be a resource to Mallory and not the source. And when I'm a resource and not the source, oh my goodness, that's a life changer right there. Because guess what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen is if I root myself in Jesus, I make that foundation of our marriage on Christ, and I allow Jesus to fill me, then what's gonna happen is then that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness starts to overflow from me and then my wife and my kids get to live in the overflow I don't know about you new song but I want to live in the overflow I don't know about you but I want my wife and kids to live in that overflow I don't want them to get second best I want them to get the best I want my marriage to grow. I want my marriage to get stronger every single day. I want to fall more and more in love with her every single day. But if Christ isn't the foundation, it won't happen. If Jesus isn't in the middle of every single thing we do, it won't happen. So I'm telling you, if you haven't placed Jesus in the middle of your relationship, this morning is a great opportunity to do that. Would you stand with me, new song? Man, can we, can we just give Jesus an ovation of praise for the overflow? Come on.
I want to pray over you. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. Lord, I thank you so much for every single person under the sound of my voice. And I pray right now for radical change to occur in our hearts, in our lives, and in our minds. Help us to experience transformation and to stop thinking the way that we've been thinking. I pray that we walk out of these church doors today and we stop looking to other people to fulfill what only you can fulfill. Church, with your eyes still closed and your head down, I want to ask a couple questions. The first one is I believe there's some people in this church that haven't had an opportunity to give their life to Christ. And this morning is your opportunity. So I'm going to count to three, and that's going to give you an opportunity to shoot your hand up boldly for Jesus. One, two, three. If that's you, shoot your hand up right now, boldly. I see that hand. I see those hands. Is there anybody else? That's awesome. You can put your hands down. I got one more question for you. How many would agree that they've been living that level one life in their marriage, in their spiritual walk? They've been level one and they're ready to go level two. If you're ready to go level two, would you just shoot your hand up real quick? Come on, hands across the whole auditorium. So awesome. Let me pray. I'm going to pray. The first prayer here is going to be for those that raised their hand that said, I want to accept Jesus. The next prayer is just going to be over each and every one of you, your marriages, your relationships. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the only one who can save me. You are my hope, my salvation, and my source. So right now, in this moment, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. Change me from the inside out. I will no longer be defined by my failures in my past, but I receive your love and your forgiveness. I am asking you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. And Lord, I also pray over each and every one of the couples that are in this room right now. Lord, if there's any broken relationships, Lord, I pray you restore them right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that those couples that's been living in level one, I pray that they're able to go level two today, Lord God. And I pray that they would begin to fall in love with each other more and more every single day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.